Welcome to Applied Faith with Pastor Russ Falachi, Senior Pastor of Christian Church of Broomfield, located in Broomfield, Colorado. Our mission is to provide practical application of biblical truth to help you experience true purpose and lasting change that can begin now. Here's Pastor Russ. As we are continuing in this series, I've spoken my mind a little bit just during the communion time, but you know, we're going through some very difficult, I think, passages and principles when it comes to you know, how we operate on a daily basis, right? When we're starting with you know, just even how we speak, right? I mean, the, the, this affects us everywhere. You know, we, we carry our mouths with us everywhere we go, but yet our words matter. Our words are our tools of, of ministry, uh, and they're tools that the Lord can utilize if we allow him to bridle our tongues and use it in accordance with his will. Because we have to remember, you know, and starting here, he loves us so much and desires us to love each other as much as he loves us. And in that is a reflection of him, and it speaks to the outside world. And the more uh, accustomed and used to uh, we get in here of treating one another differently, which can really, to me, only happen through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, so that it's a genuine love and care for one another, things begin to happen and change. But again, it's the goal. The goal of your life will determine so much about how you operate within the moments. Because I didn't finish in Hebrews eleven thirteen. it says, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and it's not going to be up there. I'm just going to read it to you. Embraced them and confessed them that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. You all were aliens. We're strangers. We're pilgrims. We're just, we're just walking through. Interesting way to look at it, right? This is not our permanent residence. There's an eternity that waits. And when we're driven by the reality of an eternity and a heavenly godly kingdom and that we could still participate in that now in terms of our obedience to reflect and demonstrate and to speak of something greater than what mankind can even understand, it matters. And so these that, that died in faith died with this knowledge and they walked as if they didn't belong here. And so much of our issues, I think, today, because we feel this is it. This is it. And we live for the moment. And I saw a quote this week. It said, you know, you know discipline is uh, seeking what you want most, not settling for what you want now. Big deal, isn't it? Big change of vision. And so often, was that? Okay. Okay, so you can. <laughs> Seeking, it says like this, actually, it's, it's choosing what you want most over what you want now. You want to write that down? Choosing what you want most over what you want now. Wow. And so, for those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. Our homeland is eternity. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come from or come out, they would have had opportunity to return. You see, if they were truly seeking what was comfortable, they could have returned to where they were called out from. They could have returned to the thing that God pulled them out from. At any moment, they could have decided, I I want this now. 
I want to do, this doesn't make sense. This is too hard. This isn't, I, I, this is too big of a struggle. There are too many obstacles. But yet, in faith, they walked and obeyed and operated. And some of them, even like they died still with the promise that had not been fulfilled. But that's the glory, because guess where they are? Do you think they care? But yet, Abraham's actions produced this. It happened. The promise came to pass. He was the father of many nations. We are here as a result of the obedience of Abraham. And so again, I didn't plan on saying all of that. But as we begin to look at the minute aspects of our lives, and there's nothing minute about it because we carry it with us everywhere, but we don't give it enough emphasis because we can very easily get caught up on religious observance instead of application each day, driven by a goal, which is we have been called upward. There's a heavenly calling. We are new some of you need to hear that you're new. Stop acting like you're old. And some of you here who don't know Jesus are old and you're desiring something new. And it's not going to come in just observing some outward like ritual thing. You don't need that. You need a change of heart. We all do. And with the change of heart comes change with perspective. And so as we're walking in this life as we're going through moment to moment and there's situations that are difficult, the ability of faith says this. This is what faith can do. Instead of looking at this and getting lost in this, you're looking past it. Who's guilty of getting caught up in the moment? And sometimes those moments create some very, very harsh consequences. And so it's a discipline to keep focus on the goal beyond you. I used to teach this in improv, like improv 101, to build a story. You as an actor, especially when there's no script, have to understand what you want. And you don't want something that can be settled in one line of dialogue. You want something that's out there that pulls you through the scene that allows the conflict to only ground you deeper into why it's important and it affects how you deal within the scene so you're continually moving to your goal. But so often, immature actors, improvisers just get caught up in the moment and they want the laugh. They want the laugh. Then everything else is ruined. And so as we're looking at bitterness and we're looking at how we use our mouths, because bitterness, we could spend forever on that because I think each of us, if we're not careful, could have a root of bitterness in us because of a situation we got caught in and pulled down into and we have lost perspective. We have lost the eternal goal of our lives. And so today, first of all, I want to read to you Ephesians 4.20. We've read it before, but it's a good reminder, but you have not so learned Christ if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct. Notice the word conduct. Like conduct. That's all inclusive. Like your conduct. Not just your conduct here, but your conduct. In the dark, in the light, within your family, outside the family, at work, in church, outside of church. It's just your conduct. And our conduct stems by a sense of identity and understanding of what we are living for. And so he says, put that off because the old man grows corrupt according to deceitful lust. Do you understand that without Jesus, our only goal is self? 
It's what lust is. Lust desires what the flesh wants. It lives for now. And without something to fully transform us, we are stuck in lust. But Jesus has delivered us from that. Come on. This is just, this is revealing the truth of the matter, but it also reveals what we'll look at is we need the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit transforms your passions. It transforms what you desire. It transforms you. It transforms you. And then it empowers you as we operate in obedience. And then you experience what it is to be the new. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man which was created according to who? In God, in true what? And that is who you are. That is who we are. Righteousness and holiness follow us wherever we go. Despite the situation. And it goes on. It says, therefore... Okay, he's established the truth of who we are. Let's talk about some conduct. Let's talk about conduct that is now produced by faith, not by flesh. So he says, put away lying. And we're not even talking about this today. Let each of you speak truth with his neighbor, neighbor, but look at the context. For we are members of one another. So again, he is speaking to the church. He is saying you have to begin to operate in the church through who you are. Because the church needs to be distinctively different from anything else out there in the world. That the gathering of the saints is marked by a new spirit and new conduct. And we are members of one another. And see, let's not, let's not think about membership. Literally, it means a limb of the body. We need to look at each other. The ones that he has called together as we are all part of the same body. Each limb, each part carries an important aspect to the life of the body. So he says, don't lie to one another. Do you see why? Like imagine if my hand was lying to my brain and my hand was on a hot stove. It's not hot. Yeah, it is. It's lying and it's damaging itself and it's hurting. And then then all of a sudden it's injured and now the body can't function fully because one of the parts is injured. So please, this is a separate issue. Stop lying to one another, whatever that looks like for you, because you're considering the greater picture here, which is the life of the body. This is the training ground. How we love and treat one another here will transform and transfer to out here. But it starts here. You see, we have to understand there's a devil. There's a spiritual war. And that war wants to divide the family of Christ. So if we don't believe that this place is a target, then we need to wake up, right? We, need, we do. We can't be okay with harboring bitterness and anger and resentment. Who's heard or been part of a church that has been divided and split? Safe to say, it's, it's rampant. Why? Human beings. <laughs> Most of the time, it's human beings. 
We need to focus on the health of the body before we can even figure out what to do. Because if we aren't operating as members of one body, we're going to be just divided and weak. Does that make sense? So this is the context that we go into now. Ephesians 4.26. He goes, be angry. But what? And do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Nor give place to the devil. Okay, so you want to talk about anger a little bit today? No. (laughs) Anyone ever felt angry before? Yeah. Here's the thing. It doesn't say don't be angry. Okay? It doesn't say don't be angry. Next week we're going to look more at... We're going to look internally right now. We're going to look more externally next week at the world in righteous anger. But... um, what we usually operate in is not righteous anger. Especially when it comes to one another. So it's learning how, when we are affected, how we process it. Keeping the long view in mind. Keeping the goal in mind. Keeping the understanding of who you are. Because who finds it the hardest to operate self-control when you're angry? So you have to prepare yourself before. Because I would wager that most of us will be provoked to anger at some time during the week, possibly. Okay. Who would say we live now in a climate of anger? Yeah. Is this problem prevalent? Yeah. And it's not just anger, it's sin stemming from anger. There was a poll that said some 84% of people surveyed, surveyed said Americans are angry, angrier today compared with a generation ago. I would agree with that. When asked about their own feelings, 42% of those polled said they were angrier in the past year than they had been further back in time. You see, this is a problem. And can we be honest? The church, and I can't say, has perpetuated this in some ways because they have not dealt with righteous anger properly. I don't want to be part of the problem. As a whole, I want to be part of the solution. But more importantly, it starts here in the context of being members of one another and how we even deal with our anger towards our family members, our husband, our wife, And then those around us that he has called us to walk with. And I'm telling you, a lot of times because anger is justified, there's no thought about what is said and done out of that because there's a sense of justification. And that's what we have to look at today because, guys, I'm after the health of the body. And so we have to know that righteous anger, God's anger never led to sin. Jesus God himself was able to control his emotions. Everything he did was out of the benefit for his people. It was the love of people and his creation that caused his anger. And, but not even that, that dictated what was done by God himself. Most of us don't operate in this. A lot of what we feel is selfish anger. And what we do is to, 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 to serve self in the moment. Instead of desiring what we want most, or just staying fixed on what we want most and chasing what we want most, we kind of succumb in the moment and say and do things that may not be the will of God because we just are so angry, right? Anger's fine. Be careful. 
Anger is fine. This is all about how to filter it. Does that make sense? Because God, even in your anger, wants to grow you and build you and funnel that, that, that in a way that actually can bring life and beauty from ashes. But again, it doesn't mean, and we'll see next week even more so, you're not, you're, you're not a floor mat. You're not a floor mat. You're actually more than a conqueror. And God will give you the ability to navigate through in a way that actually is going to help you and build you and be reflective more of who God is, right? Instead of succumbing to the moment. Watch this, because it says in Ephesians 4.27, right after that says, nor give place to the devil. Do you see? When you, when you be angry and do not sin, because if you sin from a place of anger, it's giving place, it's giving, it's giving potential, it's, it's giving permission, an opportunity for the enemy to work through you instead of God to work. You can allow two different influences to work through you in your anger. It's so it's understanding yourself enough to be able to, we'll see this, to, to stop. But what does sin look like birthed out of anger? What's he talking about? So, Ephesians 4.31 kind of gives you a really good list to start with. We talked about bitterness last week. Most bitterness comes from a place of hurt and anger, right? But we don't need to get into that. I want to get into the next one. Wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. When anger turns into wrath. I like the word for wrath. It's passion as if breathing hard. Anyone have trouble breathing when you're angry or scared by a spider? (laughs) It's a physical reaction, right? It means fierceness, indignation, passion, angry, heat, Anger boiling up. Anyone ever feel, it's like, it's like you feel it. It's like, here comes, here comes. And some of us, the trigger is a lot, uh, you know, you have a you know, quick trigger finger, <laughs> but you feel it because you're angry. But then, then it's like, oh, <laughs> that's what wrath is. And a lot of us speak from that place without even realizing, but it says wrath is not of the Lord. Anger is being upset. Wrath is staying upset and acting out of your anger. Okay? Does this resonate with anybody? Okay. This is important stuff, you all. If we don't look at these aspects of our lives, there's, there, there's bondage and there's freedom and, and there's clarity that is lost. Psalm 37 Verse 8 says this. It says, cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. Cease from anger. Cease means to just, you have to let it drop. You're feeling it, but you kind of have to, it's like you have to let it drop. Dropping may be a very long process. But you can only drop if you begin to focus on, again, who I am, what I'm here for, what my purpose is, whom I serve, what are the promises, right? You see, it it takes time, right? So often we want to deal in the moment and try to fix everything. That's my biggest issue where my wife would even say, Russ, I don't want to talk. And I'm like, why? We got to fix it. 
because I need time. So I'm learning that time is good to be able to kind of drop the let it kind of, okay, subside so you can begin to think clear because then it says, and forsake wrath. Forsake means to leave. Like you need to drop anger, but you got to leave wrath. You, just, you get away from that thing, right? Wrath is what, I'm telling you, if wrath gets in, who's ever, like you're stewing. You're, stu- you're, you know, you're, you're stewing. Who's ever stewed over something? You're not letting go of it. You're actually like, mm, I'm going to feed this, right? You're stoking the fire. And instead of leaving wrath, you're like, there's wrath. <laughs> oh, my precious, my wrath. And you feel so good. I can't wait to go out tomorrow and let this loose. Better yet, that's an old phone. I don't know why I'm holding. <laughs> what phone is that? Anyway, but do you see what I mean? We have, this is, guys, we have to self-assess. We have to look and stop. If we are a child of God, if we have a new purpose, if we're a new creation, it affects our conduct and our conduct is with us. Every second of every day, we're making decisions. Every second of every day, people can provoke you. Every second of every day, there are situations that happen that will affect you every second. And you have to decide now, how am I going to respond? Because it takes work to say, okay, I'm angry, but I'm not going to let this dictate how I move. And it starts here, amongst one another. It says, you know, and fret. Don't fret. What's that mean? To glow or grow warm, to blaze up, to burn. That's fretting. As you're focused on the offense, it's just like it's wrath and then it, and the fretting and it just, it just burns. Anyone, I mean, I've been like that to the point where I feel like I could roast hot dogs over my stomach. It's a real issue. It says, and it says, let all bitterness, wrath now. Then it moves anger. Okay, we talk, but clamor, you know, so we're, we're kind of moving on to clamor. I'm like, ooh, clamor. Clamor means to croak. As a raven, or scream, to shriek. Like it gets to, it's like put away all that loud, just the, the outbursts, the, you know, that come from a place of wrath. Cacool! Ah! <laughs> come on, who has a yelling problem when you're mad? More hands, please. More hands, please. Back row. There you go, Kelly. Okay, no, I don't know. <laughs> she just, she made a face. That's why I said it. <laughs> you can't sit there. Line of sight. <laughs> but like, you got to put that away because that is reflective of a person that is lacking self-control. What's a gift of the Spirit? Who has said things and shrieked things in the moment that you regret? That you've had to undo and say, Daddy didn't really mean that. Evil speaking, slander, detraction, speech injurious to another's good name. This all stems from anger. When you're angry, sometimes you want to tell people about it, right? You'll never believe it. And you're tarnishing a good name. 
And it may be that someone has offended you and they don't even know it, but you misinterpreted their actions and took it personally. And now you're boiling and you're fretting and you're full of wrath. Now you're like, can you believe what so-and-so did? And they're over there like, what? But it's injurious. This is why he said, don't give place for the devil. So we have to check our anger because it can be used to create dissension in here, not unity. It can create dissension in the family. Who knows there's been part of a family whose anger was the primary emotion and it destroyed the family. Anybody? I mean, you don't have to raise your hand, but it's the reality that it is damaging. Malice means when you desire ill will and desire to, it's ill will, desire to injure or to cause trouble. You see what I mean? We, at some level, we have to just watch it. We have to be very careful. And here's the thing. Hear this before I move on. It does not mean you don't deal with the anger. It doesn't mean you just put on a happy face and speak Christianese. Please don't. It's a heart change. Because there's many people that have ignored the anger, said everything is okay, and it wasn't okay. And it just ate, and it ate, and it ate, and it, did, and it, and it, and it clouded, and then all of a sudden it comes out, and it's just, you know, and, and it's, it's craziness in terms of decisions that can be made from that. You deal with it. But sometimes you need time to clear your head to allow the Lord to work through it. <laughs> and so what do we do instead? So first of all, our action item today, I think we're probably clear on this. <laughs> if you want to write this down, <laughs> control your anger. It doesn't say do not be angry. It says control your anger. We can't control the anger of a nation but we can control ours. Because other people's anger stirs up our anger. And we want to shoot back. And we live for the moment. Jesus didn't live for the moment. He lived for the moment as well as for eternity. James 1.19 says this, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be what? <clears throat> To what? Can we just stop there? When you're angry, what's the last thing you feel like doing? <laughs> Listening. Because you've been offended. You've been wronged. I don't want to hear anything. There's, it, we need, it, this gives us something to do with, okay, okay, listen. I don't care. I'm just, I have to listen. I have to get back to that. There's a human being there. I just I need to hear it. Because I, I don't know about you. I can tell when people are not listening to me and they're formulating a response. There's nothing more disingenuous about the interaction than someone that is planning on what to say, especially in the middle of argument. I mean, this is hard. Only the Spirit of God can like, do this. But again, your goal has to be outside of the moment. It has to be about, okay, this is who I am. And he says that I can control this. I can control this. And that actually I, there, there's righteousness and holiness and something that can come from this that doesn't let the person get away with it or whatever it is. But God comes in and is able to be part of the solution, not just the cleanup act. <laughs> so swift to hear. The, 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 whew, two of these. 
slow to what? Come on, when you're in the middle of whatever, do you want to be slow to speak? No, man, for some reason, you got a lot of words at that moment. It doesn't say don't speak. You notice that? This is slow to speak. You can't speak if you're really listening. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. For the wrath of man does not produce what? Who are we? We are the righteousness of in Christ. It's who we are. Wrath and speaking from that place does not produce that. It produces the other. So it, you see, this is, this is the effect. This is it. I mean, so hopefully at some level, okay, all right, Lord, I failed at this some, at some level. Yes, we have. But there's hope as we move forward. Because it says, he who is slow to wrath has great what? Who wants more understanding? Even in the middle of extremely difficult circumstances that are creating a lot of anger, there is understanding in the will of God in the middle of that. That's some great hope. We have to sometimes give the Lord some time. Instead of getting in the way of that. And it says, but he who is impulsive exalts folly or foolishness, right? Can anyone agree with that? Who is more likely to be impulsive when they're angry? Yeah, me. And you know, you have to know, I'm talking from a place that, you know, I, I, I mean, anger was, I mean, and it can still be, is a real issue in my life. Not just, I mean, but a lot of times it was pointed at myself. And I get really impulsive in my anger. I mean, so, you know, as I played sports throughout, you know, high school, I mean, I, this is how bad, I mean, I had broken golf clubs and, you know, tennis rackets. But being on the tennis team, I would get so mad during matches that I would punch my racket until my fingers bled. That's how mad I was. How foolish is that? But yet, in that moment, I'm like, I deserve this. I mean, I still have scars in my hand. So when I'm talking about this, I'm not saying I am beyond it. I'm saying this is a, this is a, a motion that affects all of us, and all of us from someone can do something very d- damaging from that place. And so it's slowing down and being slow to hear. It's dealing with your emotions differently. You know, I was a mess. And so again, we have self-assess. And I would ask each of us before we move on, just when's the last time you really self-assessed and said, all right, Lord, what in me isn't matching up? What in me do you want to begin to heal me from and to move me past? What in me is it? Because I think a lot of times we get past that and we're not looking at this. We get very comfortable in kind of a routine of religion and and following, but yet we're never really looking here. And Jesus had the harshest words for people. It was the Pharisees, but he had to call them out and say, yeah, the outside of your cup is clean, but inside you're filthy. These are matters of the heart, right? You have a new heart, amen? So, a wrathful man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger allays or quiets contention. A lot of times we add to the contention. We don't quiet it, right? Watch this one. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Who's ever given a harsh reply before? But when I see a soft answer, see, that's a picture of weakness to me, honestly. No, it's just, all right. Sorry. I don't want, okay, all right, listen. Okay, we'll just, 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 just,
I, you know, it's just like, who wants, that's not what that means. Doesn't mean you're in the middle of something and you're like, okay now, Jim. I love you. No, it is, it's a soft, you're not returning fire for fire. You're taking, it's like, listen, we just need to calm down. But for a lot of us, that feels weak, right? When you've been misjudged or wronged, right? You want to correct that thing. But it stirs, right? It stirs. And this is what even happens because I study this stuff. You know, when there's church splits, you have two camps and they're all stirred. And they're like, let's go our separate ways. It's not weak. You're not being taken advantage of. Who's afraid of being taken advantage of? All of us at some level, I think, don't want to be taken advantage of. And I'm not saying you're going to be taken advantage of, but what you're forgetting is that you have a God that fights for you. Where you don't need to speak everything. You need to trust at some level, even if they're thinking wrong about me, even if they're trying to take advantage of me. I'm not. Jesus was not taken advantage of. He allowed himself to be crucified and rejected for the greater good of mankind. Watch this. This will encourage you. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. What? He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. I kind of always associate it. If you're a mighty man, you don't take anything. People should be scared of you. No, no. Slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. What? Do you, see, do you see what this is saying? Come on, just take this in for a second. Function, oh, put that back up. Put it back up! <laughs> Slow to anger is better than those who we perceive to be strong. That is not preached. Or that, is not, that is not a humanistic view of how things should run. He who self rules his spirit than he who takes a city. So you're saying someone who can control their anger, self-control, like exert self-control in the way that brings the glory of God is better than he who can conquer a city? See, this is the kingdom. It's upside down. So it has to start here, you all. This is where growth happens. As we begin to believe this and operate in according with those promises. So it dictates our motivation and reactions in the moment, as hard as they may be. And then it says this, back to Ephesians 4, 32. And be kind to one another. Tenderhearted. This is a big one. Forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Do you see the, you could be tenderhearted and kind and still call out and deal with offense. Do you know that? See, that's, that, that's, the, misnomer, that, that's the mistake, that you have to have a certain edge to you to, to bring forth correction. Mm-mm. But as we seek kindness, as we seek forgiveness, and the only way to truly desire the welfare of somebody across from you that has hurt you, you have to forgive as Christ forgave you. And how did he forgive you? He forgave you for everything, even though you didn't deserve it. 
Only the Spirit of God can do that within you. (sighs) There's nothing easy about this. But understanding will come. Direction will come. A process will come. Because he wants what's best for the situation for both parties involved. (laughs) So can we begin to even kind of... It's hard because in the moment, I'm not looking at you because I think you have an anger problem. I just happened to look over at you. She's like, (laughs) you have an anger problem over here. Sometimes, yeah, we all do. Be encouraged. This is just kind of, it's like, here's the view. All right, let's self-assess this week. Understand how to walk through this. And here's the biggest thing you all talking about. Finish with you know member, we are members of one another. A member is a, a members of one body. Though you're separate, you're still one. And young kids, and adults, and everybody, what can run rampant in a church is clicks. And a lot of times, the clicks happen because someone over there has wronged you. And so I'm going to stay with these people because that person's hurt me. As soon as we do that, we have lost unity and broken a command. And we are out of line with the will of God. So please, young people, teenagers who are susceptible to cliques, check yourself, please, all of you. Are you excluding anybody because you don't like them? Please, all of you. Adults, are you excluding anybody because they're not like you and you don't like them? Okay, this is huge. Because we can justify it. And the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord says, stop it. Stop it. I'm fe- seriously, we have to look at ourselves. If there are clicks, someone needs to speak up and say, this is an offense. You are quenching the Spirit of God because you are choosing to exclude other members of the body that are necessary for the edification of all of us. Please stop. And I'm talking to myself also. The churches could be so clicky. Stop it. And if I see it, I'm going to call it out. I will. As well as you should. Gently, kindly, tenderheartedly, because you desire what's best. So in your groups, can you please do this? Friend groups. Teenage friend groups. I'll speak to the teenagers now. Have a conversation after this and say, am I excluding anybody because for some reason they've offended me? Have that deep conversation and be willing to be honest with yourself. Adult groups, same thing. Am I harboring bitterness towards anybody right now and have excluded them from my life because they've offended me? When Kobe Bryant died, the biggest thing to come from that for me is life is short. I heard Shaquille O'Neal break down and say, Call the person, reach out, stop harboring, stop harboring bitterness and anger, reach out, make it okay. And we're going to look at next week. Jesus said, if you have something against somebody, don't even come into the temple until you deal with it. We have to move past the pettiness. Okay. But this is encouraging because I want it to feel like, Yeah, you can have groups that encourage one another, but we're still one, and we're for each other, and we forgive one another, and we work through things, and we seek the good and the glory of Jesus in all that we do, and we have to be willing to say, all right, I'm part of the problem. Life is short. Let's stop harboring nonsense 
And when I mean harboring, meaning there's no part in you that wants to reconcile or make okay. This is not in my notes. <laughs> so there's something here that God is wanting to speak. Amen. No clicks. That's our new motto. No clicks. We are members of one body. Amen. Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Lord. We are so blessed and humbled. Lord, with your patience. Lord, I I really believe, I think I speak on all of our behalf, that it's when we look and examine the word according to your standard that we realize how far we all fall short. Lord, thank you for your grace, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you have, through your grace, by your blood, we've been washed clean, Lord, so that your spirit, the Holy Spirit can dwell within us to help us, Lord. Your spirit is a helper. It's a spirit of power, Lord, to give us the ability to make choices that will bring life to ourselves as well as to the environment that we've been called to. Lord Jesus, I thank you and I praise you for this time today. Lord, may your words stick and stay with us as we enter into another week. We love you, Lord, and we praise you. Amen. You've been listening to Applied Faith with Pastor Russ Falachi, an outreach of Christian Church of Broomfield, located in Broomfield, Colorado. To contact Pastor Russ, visit his website at russfalacci.com. That's Russ, F-A-I-L-L-A-C-I dot com. Thanks for listening. And remember, an alive faith is an applied faith.